Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Well, tonight, this is uh, the prayer room's prophetic history, session number five, entitled God's Faithful Leadership Over Us. Now, what I want to uh, make clear is that I, I think to talk about our history rightly, we need to be interpreting it through the lens of a God who was paying attention to us and who was leading us. You know, we've not taken these wild steps left or right because we thought they were a good idea. We took directional steps and we've seen the Lord, you know, do so many things for us because of his leadership. And so the telling of the prayer room story, it's really all about the leadership of God over this ministry. And I'll just tell you as the the human leader, I am really, really, really grateful we have had so much help from heaven, knowing which ways to go, what to do, what to focus on, all of that. So I, I want to say it this way. I feel like the amount of God's leadership, where it was clear, I don't mean, you know, we, we all kind of get into the Christianese of, you know, well, you know, God did it, it wasn't me. Well, but if you really did most of it, like, don't, don't pretend that you didn't. Like, God, God did some stuff for sure. There were so many times where God led us in a way that's unmistakable. There are so many times where it was clearly the Lord. And then there have been a ton of decisions our leadership team has made because we needed to make a decision. And I, I'll include some of those, but the majority of what we're talking about is ways that God uh, interrupted us and the direction we thought we were headed and gave us new leadership direction. And I just want to say it this way. It has been abundant. Abundant, and it has been consistent for 14 plus years. Next, I think the amount that he's given us and even the way that he's given us has been a little unfair. I think he's like kind of picked on us with some favor. Like he has helped us so many times and ways. And maybe that's actually an indication of my SAT scores. Maybe it's like, I really better help them because Brad really didn't do so well on that test. You know, I, I'll take it, man. I'll go low. That's great. I'll be the little kid. But I'm just telling you, the ways that God has spoken and the number of times, it has been unusual. It has been abundant. It has been uh, just uh, unbelievable in, in so many moments. And so the reason we're taking a whole session tonight, and I mean, we're going to be telling stories to, to make this point, but the reason we're taking a whole session tonight to talk about God's faithful leadership over us is the amount of his leadership indicates his investment in this ministry. He has made it abundantly clear he really cares about the direction that we go. You know, it would be already an awesome ministry to the Lord if he kind of got us started, said prayer is supposed to be the thing you're supposed to focus on. Now, just go for it, and I'll, I'll see you in, you know, 30 years when I come back or whatever time frame, you know, and just kind of leave us to ourselves in the Bible. That would still be great. He's just gotten so involved so many times in order to help steer the ship. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. Okay, well, that divine intervention so many times, the ups, the downs, the frustrations, the victories, it is so encouraging 
to know that he's right there with us. He's the one driving the bus. He's leading. And while our leadership team has to make some decisions, they're really only sub-decisions of decisions that we're getting down the pipeline from him. You know, it's kind of like, I need you to go left. Okay, well, left, do we take two steps left, one step? I mean, we kind of have to figure out some of those kinds of details, but the Lord, he so frequently gives us the clear main point directions every season. So it's just a blessing. Now, I'm going to give some broad strokes before I give some stories. A little of this is recap. Some of this is just kind of each one of these points I'm about to make, I am not going to overly develop. I'm just going to kind of say, and this is the way he's helped us and led us, and this is the way, and you'll be able to reference back to some of the stories I've told, and then you'll also be able to make more sense of it as I tell some more stories tonight, just some realms that he's helped us, and then we'll get into the stories. First, I want to read you Isaiah 41, 9 through 10, because this is a Bible promise about how God deals with individuals and ministries, and there are, there, I'll just say it this way. There are ways that the Lord deals with this ministry that are like kind of over the top that are not the same way that he deals with me as an individual. I mean, the way he deals with me as an individual looks a lot similar to like how he deals with you, but he's dealing with us as a ministry that he has got very strategic purposes with. He's dealing with us more, louder, different. Bolder. I don't know the right word, but more at least. And I'm going to give you this verse out of Isaiah 41, 9 through 10. I took you from the ends of the earth. This is just speaking of the the very specific purposes. I took you from the ends of the earth. From its farthest corners, I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and I have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, when I came off the mission field and I knew the Lord was calling me from the ends of the earth back to Arlington, Texas, this verse and this concept became very real to me. I didn't realize it had nothing to do with me and my, you know, personal me. It had everything to do with the destiny on this place. And the Lord's purpose is saying, I'm the one calling you. Don't be dismayed. Don't be fearful. I have got you in my hands. He's saying it to TPR, not to Brad. I mean, I'm just, he had to say it to somebody to get the process started. It's all about the prayer room. Strengthen you, help you, uphold you. All right, so let's look at some of this. Well, he's led us prophetically. That'd be the first area. We've talked a little bit about that. Giving us dreams, establishing things by multiple witnesses. I mean, so many things. Established by this person, that person, having the same dream, the same night, or, or same week, and weird little moments like that. <clears throat> Giving us really fun stories and kind of prophetic somethings we don't know how to qualify. Like, what do you call that? I'm reading about the year of Jubilee, and it's all about a season of grace, and I look up and grace, Jubilee grace walks in the room. What do you even call that? I don't know. It's not a dream, but it's a prophetic something. Like the Lord's got all these ways that he's led us by the prophetic. Even moments where there have been angelic visitations on occasion to help us and to strengthen us. So that's prophetically. How else has he shown himself strong on our behalf? How else has he made it clear, I'm with you, I'm helping you in loud ways? I'll tell you what, I am baffled by how he has provided for us such an incredible leadership team. And I'm not saying that so that they feel built up. I hope they feel built up, but that's not why I'm sharing it. I'm sharing it because he's put together an incredible team of people that get paid zero dollars 
to do so much work and so much hassle. That is very unusual. Only the Lord could assemble that because there is no secular business in town or church ministry in town that requires this much from their senior leaders and pays them absolutely nothing to do it. That, that's crazy. And I mean, we'd pay our leaders if we had money, but we don't have any money, so we don't pay them. And they still do it. Week after week, season after season, personal life disappointment after disappointment. Victory after victory. They stay the course. I am blown away that while their only perk is free water bottles, that's the only perk our leadership team, I just, I threw that one in there. I was like, you know what? Everybody else has to pay for every water bottle. Our leadership team gets as many water bottles as they want for free. That's the only perk they get. It's the only perk. They raise their own support just like the rest of our missionaries, and they don't, they don't get like a you're on leadership team stipend. There is no perks. The fact that that has been a steady reality for the last, call it 12 plus years, that we've had a leadership team that was committed with this level of, you know, they're missionaries and they're doing this. I, that is astounding to me. And it's a real work of God on the hearts of a handful of individuals that is, is a, it's different. <laughs> it's different. It's the hand of God. It's different. It's not that way in most places. That is a very unusual grace. And I don't, I hope that I, I didn't just tell them something they didn't already know and now they all quit on me. But that is a very unusual thing to have that level of responsibility and ownership and work on top of the other work and to receive zero compensation for it. That's, that's the Lord, honestly. He's helped us in so many real estate transactions. Now, I don't mean we've bought some stuff and therefore it was God. I mean, God told us which thing to buy and then helped us buy it in ways that are not possible. God made it clear which place to lease and then backed it up. God, 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 not just like, this place is great. It's a blessing from the Lord. I believe in that. I think that's the normal grace of God on all of our lives. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about places where the Lord's like, you need this building and I'll help you get it. We're like, well, it's impossible to get it, but okay. And then we got it. Ways that he's connected us in the most crazy ways. The connections that we have nationally, internationally, with leaders in the prayer movement, with leaders locally, the favor that we have with leaders locally is unusual. The level of connectivity that we have across the nation, across the earth, I mean, the Lord, the favor that he's given us up at IHOP Kansas City with IHOP Youth, the favor we have, it, I'm not talking about we, we're blessed in the, in the natural sense. I mean, he has set us above our companions in so many ways. He has set us, we're just this little ministry. It doesn't make sense that we have the relational bandwidth that we do. It, we're just this little ministry. It doesn't make sense that we have like the connections with big time people. Like it's just crazy. But he set that up because he wanted to help us. I just even love the corporate fasts that the Lord led us into as a community that got us into buildings. It happened multiple times where the Lord would give us, it's time to fast. We'd be in the middle of the fast and then he'd start setting things into motion to get us into the next building. And the way that the Lord would work all that out and call us into the fast and then, and then anoint it and then use, I just love the fact that he's helped us corporately to be a people that corporately fast. There's somebody even over there. I don't need to look to the right. There is nobody to the right, just so that you guys know. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Sorry, a little, little internal problems here. Okay, just the, the corporate fasting 
Uh, I'm just so grateful, not just that he's empowered us, but that he's used corporate fasts so many times to thrust us into a next season. That's just been a fun thing that the Lord's done. All right, now let's go into some stories and these are just fun. I'm gonna share a pre-TPR story that was 100% about TPR, that set everything else up for TPR. This is kind of a how we got started sort of a moment. You guys know, I've shared a little bit, I come off the mission field, Lord made it clear, come back from Africa, settle in here to Arlington, and, but I didn't really know what was next, I didn't have all that clarity. And I wanna be honest, um, I was uh, in a season where I was working a job and I'm, I am bored to tears. I am bored. I mean, I'm, you know, uh, doing ministry. I'm involved in ministry, you know, a lot of different stuff. I'm, uh, you know, I'm praying. I've got a prayer life. I'm in the word and I am bored to tears because I just know like there's an assignment waiting. The Lord didn't bring me off of the mission field for no specific purpose. I knew there was a specific purpose, but he hadn't yet spoken it. And I'm kind of waiting out the clock, okay? Because we're like a year in, or maybe it was 10 months in, something like that. I've got a job. I've got a little garage apartment. It's a really cool little garage apartment. And, uh, I've got, and I'm bored. I'm bored. And so I've got a day off a week, one day off a week. And I'm thinking, you know what? I know how I'm going to deal with this boredom. I'm going to save up and I'm going to buy a jet ski. I'm going to go to Joe Pool Lake. I'm going to spend, I'm going to get so burnt that I'll probably, you know, have to be hospitalized. But I'm, I'm going to get a jet ski and I'm going to spend my one day a week off out there on Joe Pool Lake. And that's going to be my game plan on how I'm going to wait this out for the Lord to eventually like speak a vision and direction. And again, I'm trying to get back in the mission field. That's my bottom line. I'm wrong, but that's what I want to have happen. So I'm saving up money to buy a jet ski. I mean, $10 here, $50 there. I don't have much put away. But I'm saving up money to buy a jet ski, and that's what I'm thinking about to the point where I'm telling people, I'm going to get a jet ski. That's what's going on in my mind. Something very interesting happened, however. I'm driving down the road one day. I'm going to go pick up a friend from the south campus of uh, TCC uh, Junior College here in, in the Arlington area. And I'm, I'm in a part of Arlington that always to me felt like far away Arlington. I never went there. I never had a reason. South Arlington in this area, I would never drive down New York ever. I mean, it like happened. I'd probably gone, gone down there like four times in my life, but I'm driving down there to go pick up a friend uh, from uh, TCC. And as I'm driving down the road with no thought of anything in my mind, I hear the Holy Spirit say, uh, let me get you the, the exact phrase here. It's so simple, but I just want to get it right. I'm driving down New York Avenue, and I heard the Lord say, you're buying a house in that neighborhood. And just like I'm driving down the road, and like all of a sudden, and I said, no, no, not me. I'm buying a jet ski. I'm buying, I don't, plus I can't afford a house. I mean, I don't, but I heard it so clear. You're buying a house in the neighborhood. And I'm trying to like kind of playfully argue with the Lord about the jet ski. And he's like, you are going to buy a house in that neighborhood. And I was like, okay. I mean, I, I don't argue with the Lord. I mean, I playfully chat about it, but I'm like, if you say I'm buying a house in that neighborhood, okay. And so I'm just like the dummy that will just charge forward when the Lord says something. So I go, I don't have any money. I just came off the mission field. I don't have a credit history. I don't have job tenure. I've only been with this company for some months. You know, I've kind of had a different job here, different job there. I've only had this job, I think, for maybe three months at this point. That was a real job, but I, I don't have it for three months. And I'm like, Lord, you are going to have to do the craziest stuff for me to get a house. But okay, if you say so. 
So what I did was later that day, after I, you know, I got the friend or whatever, this is 2004, by the way, and I'm 24 years old. I've got, you know, no this, no that. I just, there's every reason why this isn't going to work. And I go and I drive over to that neighborhood and I realize, oh my gosh, it's a new home building neighborhood. These are new homes. So now I'm not buying a home. I'm buying a new home. And I'm like, Lord, that's funny. Because typically new homes are more expensive than not new homes. And so I'm like, so I'm going to buy a home in this neighborhood. And uh, I go, okay, well, whatever. I go, I'll just, I'm your fool. I'll walk into the, the model home and just see what happens. I walk in and I have the wildest five minutes in my, you know, like economic life, okay? The, probably to this moment. I walk in with this background of I'm going to buy a home in there. And as soon as I walk in, there's all these uh, maps up on the wall of like, here's a map of the neighborhood and here are the homes, you know, that are for sale and here's the lots that are still empty and da-da-da-da-da. As soon as I walk in, I feel the Holy Spirit say, this is the street. This is the floor plan. This is the lot. I go, now I'm building a new home? I'm not just getting a home. I'm not just buying a new home. I'm going to build a home? This is funny. Like, okay, Lord, whatever. I have no money. I have no credit. I am the last guy you are going to sell a house to. And I go, hey, uh, yeah, I'd I just, I'm dumb. I go over and go, oh, okay, I'd like to buy a house on that lot, uh, this floor plan, uh, this thing. Uh, what do I need to do? Oh, well, we'll get the contract and stuff together. Let me tell you about the deals that we're doing right now. You're doing deals. Okay, good. That's good, because I could use some deals right now. <clears throat> uh, yeah, we're doing this thing. Um, are you a first-time home buyer? Yeah, I sure am. Well, for a first-time home buyer right now, all you need is $500 to get in. I had saved up $500 for the jet ski already. Said you're going to let me buy a house for $500 down? Yeah, we got to deal with our lender and da-da-da-da. Uh, you can get this thing for $500. The interest rate in that hour was about 8%, maybe 7.75, 7, you know, 8. But it was about 8% in that hour, and that was like the going rate at that point. They were doing a fixed 30-year uh, deal, for, again, for first-time home buyers for 4.99, so 5%. Now, that doesn't sound great right now, but... The rates right now are ridiculous. So pretend I'm telling this story a year ago, okay? I mean, it's like the rates, the rates were eight. And I'm getting it for five. I'm getting it for four nine nine. Next, they're like, oh, we got all these extras. You're building one, right? Because if you build right now, instead of buy one that's already there, we're going to throw in the blinds and the appliances and the thises and the thats and, and all of this stuff. Plus, you get to pick all, the, you know, your carpet and color and the da 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 And then when they were building the house, they made all sorts of mistakes in the construction and added a number of upgrades that should not have been in that house. And then I'm like, well, I, that's perfect. I wanted that. That's great. How did, I love this. This is a great game. All right, so the Lord worked it out. It was unbelievable. I realize there's destiny on this. This isn't just God being nice to me, though I believe God's nice and he does things. And I mean, he definitely wanted me to have a house, but it was way more than that. He wanted the prayer room to have a place to start because when he was going to give me just a few months after we moved into the house I, and I got a couple of roommates, which just as a point of order, that brought my, I was in a garage apartment paying a little over $600 a month for me to live in a garage apartment. I bought a house and with two roommates, my total cost was about $600 to own a home because I had two roommates after, I'm talking after utilities, like it was crazy. 
I mean, so I wound up with a house instead of an apartment. And now I'm building equity. And now I've got a space that's my space that I can say, hey, we're going to have a Bible study in this room or we're going to do a prayer meeting or we're going to do whatever. Well, I knew there was destiny on this house. So me and one of my roommates who would move in in just a minute, we would go over as they're building the house. And we would pray over the foundation. God, make this a place of ministry. God, make this a house of ministry. God, this is your house. We're going to use it for you. The first week we moved in, that week we started a Bible study. And from that point forward, unless there's a, you know, COVID or a something, you know, from that point forward, near every week, there has been ministry in that house at some level for 15 years. That was a uh, February of 2015 is when uh, I moved in on uh, Valentine's Day. So uh, 2005, I said 2015, right? 2005, so, so thank you. It's been 15 years. It was 2005 when we moved in. But it wasn't about me. It was all about the house of prayer. Because it's just a few months later that the Lord says, start a daily prayer meeting tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. and don't stop until I come back. And that would have been very difficult to pull off in that garage apartment that was over somebody's living room. That would have been very difficult to pull off in an apartment. That would have been very difficult to pull off in any place except something that you have a little bit more ownership over, and the Lord knew all that. All right, I'm going to give you another story. I just love that one because that was the Lord's leadership of the prayer room before we knew there was a, the prayer room. I mean, that was him orchestrating things in very clear prophetic ways and provision ways. All right, how did we get to the 939 West Pioneer Parkway? You guys remember I told you the story we moved... Uh, from my living room into a house, Livermore. I'll share that story in another session. And then from Livermore, we moved into this uh, 939 West Pioneer Park Parkway location. That's where the cricket plague was. You guys remember? And then after that, we moved into Prince of Peace Church. Let me tell you how we got into Pioneer Parkway because this is bizarre. This is a bizarre story. We had been in the Livermore house, which was, again, the step out of my living room, went from my living room to a house that we bought. We had been in that house for about two years, and we had no thought of moving. That was not on our radar. Until one night I had a dream, and this dream is important. You'll hear us refer to it as the reconnector dream around here because of something that happened in the dream. This dream was the first time the Lord gave us a sequencing dream for the ministry. This was the first time where the Lord gave us a dream that had components First, this is going to happen. You're going to watch it happen in the natural, but I'm telling you about it ahead of time in a dream. Then after that, this other thing is going to happen in the natural, but you're going to know about it ahead of time because I'm telling you in the dream. Then this is going to happen, that kind of a thing. That is a, that is a bizarre thing when that happens. This was our first one. I'm going to read you the dream. In the natural, uh, I had this dream less than three months from the date of us scheduled to host the One Thing Regional Conference. Uh, because of an interaction that we had with Dwayne Roberts, um, the Lord had given us the opportunity to host the upcoming Dallas Regional One Thing Conference, which was going to be, you know, maybe a year out or something like that. Well, when I have this dream, it's three months out. We're preparing, getting ready for it, okay? The crazy part is this was our first indication. This dream I'm about to tell you is our first indication that TPR was moving, in the dream, we were preparing for the One Thing Conference, and I ran into this guy who attended a church in the area that in the natural, I had a strained relationship with this church. But in the dream, I ran into this guy, and, uh, and that I'd had a strained relationship for some time, and uh, he was very friendly, and he shook my hand, and he introduced himself, and he said, hello, 
my name is Reconnector. And in the dream, I looked at him and I said, your name is Reconnector? And he said, yes, my name is Reconnector. I mean, how's that for a weird phrase, right? I said, oh, okay. So then I'm on my way to TPR's new ministry facility in the dream. Again, this doesn't exist in real life. This wasn't even a thought in real life. But in the dream, I'm on my way to the new prayer room missions base. We've got a new base. And on the way, as soon as I arrive in the parking lot, Dwayne Roberts is there. Now, Dwayne Roberts at the time was the director of the One Thing Regionals. And so we would have seen him because we would be hosting the One Thing Regional Conference. So that wasn't weird. What's weird is I see Dwayne. He comes up and greets me and he starts to walk away. And then Billy Humphrey, another leader in the prayer movement, comes up to me privately as Dwayne's kind of walking off. And he says, Brad... Dwayne is really under a lot of pressure right now, and he wants to quit one thing. Now, all the while in this dream, our community was working diligently to get things ready for the, new, for the move-in into the new facility. So in the dream, people are like moving around. It's like a lot of work. But simultaneously, we're prepping for the biggest event we have even to this day in 15 years the biggest event we've ever been a part of, that we've ever hosted. There wound up being 2,100 people register for this event in the natural, okay? So we're getting ready for the biggest event, and then we're also in the dream. We're also getting ready to, get, to move into this building, okay? And in the dream, in the wildest ways, things come together in the final hours before the conference, and in the dream, the paint on the walls is still literally drying when we start hosting the conference. Okay, now let's go back to real life. None of this is real. In real life, we're not moving. In real life, we're not looking at a building. In real life, there's no way I'm gonna get reconnected with this church, and the, specifically this pastor. There's no way. I had been trying for years to get reconnected and to try to make things work, and it was not happening, okay? There's all this stuff about this, plus Dwayne, is the director of the One Thing Regionals. This dream is saying he's going to potentially quit being the director of the One Thing Regionals. I'm like, none of this is real. I wake up from the dream. I tell our leadership team. And then a week later, I'm in a, I'm in a uh, uh, conversation with a pastor here in the area, a pastor that I know. And the pastor, out of the blue, says, hey, what about this relationship with pastor so-and-so? Are, are you guys on good terms? And I said, I have tried. And he just asked me out of the blue. This guy just asked me out of the blue. I said, I've tried. I said, I, I don't know what to do. His response verbatim was, we have to get you guys reconnected. And I'll just say this. The guy in the dream looked a lot like this pastor. Okay, there were a lot of similarities. And I was, as soon as he said it, I went, no way. Well, he then started to orchestrate some things, and in a very short period of time, it happened. It happened in the most profound way. This pastor came over me, over to me in a, in a situation and prayed for me and forgave me and asked for my forgiveness, and it was the most beautiful thing, and it happened in the natural. When it happened, I went, oh my gosh, this is exactly what you said in the dream. I couldn't believe it. I, I, again, this had been like six or seven years of strained relationship. And all of a sudden it happened within weeks of me having this dream. Next point. So then I go, well, maybe part two is real. So I sent Dwayne Roberts an email that was kind of bizarre. 
I was like, listen, I don't have any skin in the game on this, but if you need it or if it's helpful or maybe just to help me know if you're going to be here, like I had this dream. Are you considering maybe stepping down from being the director of, of the One Thing Regionals, uh, you know, being over One Thing? And that was the ministry he birthed. He started that at IOP Kansas City. And he didn't reply. And I was like, well, okay, whatever. A month goes by after I send this email. And now remember, when I had the dream, we're three months away from hosting the conference. But then it's a week or so, and I have the, the pastor says, I'm going to get you reconnected. And then it's a few weeks after that, and I actually get reconnected. And now it's the next week, and I send the email to Dwayne. And now it's another month, and I get an email back from Dwayne, and he says more or less, hey, you, uh, you didn't know this, but that's exactly what's happening, and your dream actually was encouraging to me and helped me know that this is really what I'm supposed to do. And Yes, I'm stepping down from one thing. Uh, Wes Martin's going to be the new director over one thing. That affects you because you're hosting this conference here in six weeks or five, and he's going to be over it, not me. Let me connect you with him and start working on the leadership on this. Now, let me tell you the absolute last position you want to be in as a leader of a ministry. You've got the prophetic wind of God telling you from that day, you are going to be in a building you've never once looked at that you will have to remodel in the time period that you are preparing for the largest conference that your ministry will ever host. It's five weeks or four before we're going to host the event. I don't even know the building, but I walk out of this situation going, I go back to our leadership team and I mean, our team is baffled because it's happening. And I go, guys, we're moving. We don't have any money. We don't have any money. We don't. There's a hundred reasons why this can't happen. Mostly how little time there is between what's happening right now and when we're hosting this conference. Guys, let me tell you how this landed. I'll just move it forward. I went out. I looked around some buildings. I did my best. I'm just trying to price dollar per square foot. What's a good deal? What's a good part of town? What, you know, what can we do? I am not hearing the Holy Spirit say, this is the building. That would have been really nice. I am not hearing that. I am doing my best to land in a spot that is as close to affording as possible. We couldn't afford diddly squat. I talked to this place. It's a good sized space, about 6,000 square feet. It's right in a good you know, spot in a uh, drive-by, lots of traffic kind of deal. I say, hey, um, listen, we'd like to move into this space. And they say, well, when would you like to move in? I said, well, we, we have to be in by, and I gave them the date of the conference. And they don't know the conference. And they're like, that's pretty aggressive. I said, well, will you work with me or not? They said, yes. I said, okay, um, well, uh, let's work out some details and you know, come up with a plan. By the time we were able to actually start our lease, there are 15 days before the One Thing Regional Conference. We have, a, we have two weeks and one day to remodel 6,000 square feet while preparing to host the largest conference we've ever hosted. This was crazy. We would never have done it. I didn't, I didn't want to do it, but our whole team was feeling the wind of God on it like not only should we, but God's going to give us the grace and it's going to work somehow. And the finances, again, we don't have money to pay the first month's rent. I don't know how we're going to do it. They never asked us if we had any money. They never asked for 
proof of bank account. They never, they never asked us for anything. We signed a lease and did all the work ourselves and had people come in, this help and this help. And we had a little bit of money in the bank, not a lot, but a little bit of money in the bank. We used it, da, da, da. We did all the work ourselves and then did some more in phases. They never asked us. They said, you know what? We're going to give you your first six months free of rent. That will be our compensation to you when you move in. I go, we have a space for six months. I have no idea what's going to happen the seventh month, but we've got a space. The Lord took care of us. We went crazy on that remodel. We put in so much time and energy. I mean, it was, I mean, it was like there were definitely only a few hours in the middle of the night where there weren't people there regularly. And then there were constantly shifts of people. We coordinated everybody and there was wind on it. And you know what happens with the wind of God? People who would totally always say no, say yes. And the wind of God's on it. Everybody's helping us. They're coming over. Luke Cooper is living at that building nearly 20 hours a day. I mean, we, day after day after day. I mean, it was crazy. The teams of people that were coming in that heard about us. We'd never met before from churches we were barely connected to. Sending teams over for workers to scrape this and lay that and paint this. Friends, I'll say this. The last coat of paint actually went up on the walls the day we started hosting the conference. Literal fulfillment to its absolute fullest. It was crazy. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Well, let me give you a fun little moment that happened a couple of weeks later. Now, we're reeling from this. It's like, hosting this conference was the biggest thing we ever did. Moving into this, you can't remodel 6,000 6, square feet in 15 days. That's impossible. I mean, we had contractors working on the work. You can't. It was unbelievable that this all happened in that short period of time. It's impossible. It is it is impossible. It was a miracle. I don't know how else to say it. it. It is You can't do that. That is impossible. It is the fastest move in that anybody's ever had ever in the history of ever. You can't do what we did. And the Lord did it because he said he was going to. So it's a few weeks later, just a couple weeks later, and I'm at a pastor's luncheon. And I'm talking uh, with this pastor, Pastor Tom Schleter, who I just love. He's a great guy in the city, a man of prayer. He's just been a leader in the region for a long time in a lot of ways. He's a really good dude. And uh, he began to tell me, he, he, said, uh, he said, Brad, did you guys move in to that place over there on a Pioneer Parkway? I said, yeah. He said, well, let me tell you a story. I said, okay. He said, um, said, you don't know this, but 20 years ago, there was a group of pastors that's that was actually the formation of this pastor's network. We were at a pastor's network meeting, Arlington Pastor's Network. So actually the beginnings of this pastor's network. We started 20 years ago. This is a few of us, maybe seven or eight of us. And we were over at this pastor's church. And every week when we would meet, we would go across the way to this empty lease space. And we would ask God to give us that lease space as a 24-7 house of prayer for Arlington. You moved into the lease space. He said specifically, it wasn't to be a church. It was supposed to be a citywide house of prayer 20 years before. He looked at me. He said, we always thought the mandate was for us. Little did we know we were waiting for, you know, little nine-year-old you to grow up. And I just shook my head. I thought, the Lord has destiny on this space. There's destiny here. The Lord has purpose. This is not accidental. He told us, I'm going to rush you into this space. 
We're not even able to start swinging hammers till 15 days before. And just like the Lord said, and even this, we landed in the exact right lease space, completely accidentally. I didn't, I didn't feel God on it. I just seemed like a good deal. Lord, we're good. Let's do it. That's how we landed there and then got the prophetic confirmation. Oh, this was big time the Lord's plan. All right. In this season, let's get that video ready, Andy. In this season, this is when we move into 939 West Pioneer Parkway. We move into this space, and this is when everything starts taking off for us. Okay, I've got a really funny, nostalgic video here. Uh, try not to laugh so hard at me. Maybe I'll just turn around. Uh, this was our promo video, at least part of it. It was five minutes long. We're just going to do a two-minute clip. But this was our promo video. Gives you a little bit of the picture of the remodeled space. Gives you a little bit of picture of what community looked like in that season. 939 West Pioneer Parkway, things were climbing. Everything was working. Lots of people were coming. What do you think, Andy? We ready to show that video? All right, fire. Okay, well, sorry, we're, you know, having difficulties. Uh, we've, uh, we'll figure out a way to get that video up uh, on our Facebook and YouTube somehow or the other, and you, we'll put the whole video up. You won't even have the two-minute version. We'll do the five-minute. Um, we'll get that up there. Sorry that we weren't able to make that work, but if you're able to just even see just the visual, you're able to see the walls and the layout and the, the prayer room and all the people that were around. It was a fun season. And so, uh, anyway, I just wanted to share that just kind of as a point of nostalgia. It was kind of fun. There were a lot of precious memories at that place. Okay, well, let me push pause now on the stories of the Lord moving us to places and locations, and let me still talk about his leadership. Remember, all of this is just the, the jaw-dropping leadership of the Holy Spirit over this ministry, that we've not made our decisions. The Lord was helping us make these decisions. We didn't just land up in good spots or come up with a good mandate or a good idea. We've been following the cloud, okay? Well, let me tell you some other ways that his leadership has been so faithful to us, and we'll go back into some of more of those story modes. There have been so many times, and I'll give you one story example. There have been so many times where the Holy Spirit has given us dreams to warn us about demonic attack against the ministry, where, you know, we'll... Maybe we'll start to sense it in the ministry. Maybe we won't. Maybe it's around the corner and it's a week away, a month away, where the ministry is going to get specifically attacked by the demonic realm. Even specifically, I don't like it, witchcraft. 
There have been so many times we've had witchcraft assignments against us where we'll find out there's this group of witches and they've like got hexes against our ministry and stuff, like just bizarre stuff. Let me give you one example. Before we moved into this building, here we're at uh, the Nora location. Before we moved into this building, I had a dream, and in the dream, I found a goat jaw on the front porch of this building. So you guys all know the front porch. In the dream, I saw, I walk over, and I'm kind of, I see this goat jaw, and I'm like, what? I don't like goat jaws. I don't want a goat jaw. And in the dream, I just knew it was put there by a witch. I don't know how I knew it. I just knew it, okay? Well, a few days later, in the natural, I find a jawbone on the front porch right where it was in the dream. But that same day, John Stokes comes up to me and doesn't know I found a jawbone on the front porch. And John Stokes comes up to me and he says, hey, Brad, I just want to tell you about this. I had this dream about a witch doing some kind of weird ritual on the front porch of our building, sacrificing a lamb there. I was like, so it wasn't a goat jaw. It was a lamb jaw. I'm sorry I missed it. I, was, I thought goat jaw. I, was, I had the wrong animal species. I am flabbergasted. I'm like, I had a dream, then I found it. Then John told me he had a dream the day that I found it. So what did we do? We all prayed like crazy to break off the witchcraft assignment. And what happens is, whenever you get like a weird message, like you have a witchcraft assignment against you, you have no idea what to do about that. You have to pray and ask God, what do we do about that? And then he tells you more. But you don't even know to have the conversation with him until you have a dream about a jawbone and then find a jawbone and then John Stokes tells you about a jawbone. I mean, that's weird, right? That's weird. He's been like that with us for 14 years. He's, he'll help us. He protects us. So I just want to tell you right now, like, there are a lot of people that sometimes could get frustrated, and I wouldn't blame anybody, could get frustrated with our leadership not doing something or doing something a certain way. And I'll just tell you, we do our absolute best to follow the cloud. And we wait for the Lord to give us leadership. And we still got to make decisions here and there. But the Lord gives us so much help in that kind of stuff. All right, here's another one. There was a seven-year period of time where I knew the Lord was telling me, you must study the end times. You need to be spending hours a day, every day, studying eschatology. It was while we were building the house of prayer. About a seven-year period. I knew it. I was like, I knew it's my assignment. And then something would happen in the ministry and I'd want to do a three-part series or an eight-part series on something else. And now I'm spending all my time getting ready, you know, in my, in my prep time for that instead of all the time that I need to be spending in studying the eschatology. And I don't know how many times this happened. It never happened when I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. It always happened when I would stop doing what I was supposed to be doing. Not because I was bad, but I just get distracted. And that's the following. I would be getting behind on my studies. Now, I felt this intensity of like, you need to be getting the, the end times message deeply rooted in you. This is a season for that to get rooted in you. You need it. You need it. And every time I'd start to get distracted by the greatest commandment, the worth of Christ, the prayer movement, I would have a dream and the dream was always the exact same dream. I'm in my senior year of high school, which didn't go so well for me in the natural I'm in my senior year of high school, and I'm about to take a test that I totally haven't studied for. 
And it was the same dream every time. And I felt the Holy Spirit show me. I mean, I had that dream seven, eight times, you know, in the course of seven years. And again, it wasn't like, you're massively off course. It was like, hey, hey, you better get back to your studies. You need to be focusing on eschatology. That's what I told you to focus on. And little ways like that, that that would help us because we're a forerunner ministry. And if I don't lead the charge on studying eschatology, I can't call you to study eschatology. Not only that, we won't have anything to say if nobody is spending any time, you know, studying those 150 chapters. Other dreams, when we'd start to get off course, one way or the other, the Lord would give us dreams. That's happened so many times. The Lord has given us multiple times. I know this sounds bizarre. There have been multiple occasions where there's been a death assignment on my life, a death curse. And we would have dreams about it, hear about it. The Lord would help us. And then we would pray and sometimes pray and fast in order to break it off. And then the Lord would show us it was broken off. I know that sounds so weird. I'm just thankful he told me so I didn't die. That's happened multiple times. It's a crazy thing. Warning about great disappointment. The reason I'm going to share this story is because it's so personal to me and it, it gives me great comfort that the Lord is with us even in the moments of pinch, even in the discomfort, even in the pain. When we moved into 939 West Pioneer Parkway, our move-in rally was off the chain. 130 people crammed into that room. Worship was awesome. It was exciting. So many people were coming to celebrate Finally, the house of prayer has a place of its own in the city. We had 130 people and our encounter services, it was normally normal to have 80 or 100 people in encounter services in that season of time. 80 was kind of like the normal. We'd set out chairs every other week because more people would come. That was just normal. We moved into this building and we moved in a little bit after our 10-year birthday, which I tried so hard, but we had things stand in our way for us to be able to move into this building and do a 10-year opening rally. It was like, it was everything in my heart. I was like, Lord, I want this so bad. I don't know that I've ever asked the Lord in ministry for anything that hard. I was like, I want this so bad. I want this for our history. I want this because we're trying so hard. I want this because I want the remodel process to be over. Like, I want to be able to move into this building on our 10-year birthday, and we'll do a couple of different services because the room's not that big, and let's have, you know, 100 people in the first service and 100 people in the second. Let's, this is going to be fun. It's going to be so great. I've got all these ideas, and I felt the Lord gently telling me it's not going to go that way. It's not going to go that way, but one day, I was talking to him about it, and I heard the Holy Spirit so clear. This is a tough phrase, by the way. I heard him say so clearly, I want you to suffer through this disappointment. And the point of it was, I want you to still love me. I'm not giving you this thing. The difficulties that you've been experiencing, they're not over yet. I know you want them to be. It's not over. You're going to move into this building, and it's going to be epically disappointing. That's what he was communicating. And I knew. I got all of it. I got the message. I mean, he's like, this is, you're going to feel so disappointed by what's about to happen. Well, I don't know that I fully listened because there's still some, people are talking, I'm going to come. You know, I, I can't wait to be there. I'm coming from out of town. I mean, I can't, people are talking about this. So we're like, well, we kind of have to like plan like people are going to come and then just kind of posture our hearts for the Lord says it's not going to be awesome. Oh, friends, it was so not awesome. It was, it was the most disappointing. It was hard for me to not just like put the mic down and like be like, I'm done. 
It was so bad. We did two services because we've got people telling us they're coming from all over. We got groups and pastors. Everybody, nobody showed. Everybody who said they were coming didn't come. Between two services, we had less than 60 people. The first service that we did, there was like 13 or 15 people in the room or something. It was so sad. It, was, it hurt so bad. And I just felt like the Lord, like, this, the Lord's chastening. The Lord's, you know, humbling. I'm like, okay. You told me about this, but here's in the retrospect. There have been so many times where things looked like we are about to have things be awesome. And the Lord tells us it's not going to be awesome. There have been so many times where it looks like we're all going to die. Dead. All of us dead. Go get the plat at the cemetery. Dead. Okay? And, and, and then the Lord tells us, no, 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 you're going to flourish. You're going to be awesome. I'm going to take care of you in this. And then we flourish and things are awesome. We, the Lord's faithfulness, his leadership, it's unbelievable to me. I just, I, I am shocked at the ways that he communicates with us. And what it does is it gives us so much comfort in the disappointment to go, you're with us. This is not, this is not, we're just bad or People don't like us or you don't like us. It's not like you've got purpose, divine purpose, just like the victories. When God's leading you, you can take great confidence in despair or in victory because of the Lord's leadership. His leadership is that near to us to tell us this event isn't going to go great. Still do the event. Just don't put your heart in it like you're going to, even though I'm telling you not to. All right. The pruning season. All right. This one, this is the last big story. And then I'll just share a couple of lessons here. The pruning season, we're at 939 West Pioneer Parkway. In that moment with that video that you didn't get to see, okay? Everything's great. We start an internship. We have 15, 20 people do the internship. We start a music academy. We got 25 people do the music academy. We started a school prophetic. We had 20 people do it. We started doing weekly, uh, monthly workshops where we would train on harp and bowl or we train on prophetic ministry or we train on, you know, personal. We train on something. People would come every time we do one of those. We were doing conferences. We were doing everything. And every time people would come in the room, the sacred trust would grow. Two more people would join. One more person, three more people, a family. So we were growing leaps and bounds. When we moved into that building, we were sitting at around 35 people in the sacred trust. In the course of about a year and a half, it grew to 99. We were just growing. It felt electric. Everything. I loved walking into that building. I'd walk in, and there would be people doing stuff in every corner of that building. There's a little E12 group over there talking. And then, oh, this group over here, that's an orientation, learning how to be a prayer leader. Oh, and then in the prayer room, there's 20, 25 people there, just normal, middle of the day. kind of. It was crazy. And there were still lots of times where there weren't people there. I don't want to make it sound like there were always people, but every day it felt a little buzzy. Like there was things happening. There was a lot going on. It was cool. And we're like, we're about to hit hundred on the sacred trust. That's like a really cool milestone. We've never had hundred on the sacred trust. We're at 99. We're going to be at hundred like tomorrow. And so we're, oh, in the process of this, we're in conversation with the landlord trying to figure out how to get more of the lease space in that, uh, in that strip center. We're trying to figure out how can we rent out this other thing? How can we turn that space into a coffee shop? How can we use this and do that? I mean, we were like talking about expanding because things were going so well. Financial needs were being met in crazy ways. 
I am in the most excited mood in a prayer meeting one day in uh, maybe January or February of 2012. Everything's working. I'm pacing back and forth. And I hear the Holy Spirit. I say, Lord, I am so excited. We're going to be at like 100 on the sacred trust tomorrow. And when I say that, I hear the Holy Spirit speak to me so clearly. I'm about to take you through a season of pruning. No, no, no. No, because it's, because like it's working. Like, you know, that's not what you're doing. What you're doing is like, good, you're doing good. I see it everywhere, but I heard it clear. And I'm like, I believed it. I didn't want to believe it, but I believe it. I was like, we're about to go through a season of pruning. Everything in the natural looks like we're about to explode. So I tell our leadership team, I go, guys, I know what it looks like, but the Lord spoke this word to me so clear. We're about to go through pruning. And everybody was like, I mean, I guess we believe it. I mean, how sure are you? I go, guys, I'm sure. I don't, I don't want to be sure. You know I don't want to be sure. Yeah, we know. Well, maybe that night or the night after, sometime very soon after that, I have a terrifying dream. I'll just read you the dream. This is in the dream. This happens, okay? <clears throat> in the natural, the sacred trust is at 99 human beings. That's in the natural, okay? In the dream. I'm walking over to look at the sacred trust sign-in book in the back of the prayer room. We use this Excel doc to, you know, put all the, uh, the people's names on there. And it auto-tallies up in the left-hand corner the number of people on the sacred trust, okay? And in the dream, that was still the case. I walk over and I look up at the top of the document and in the dream, the number is 68. And I am so disturbed that like I go oh, oh, like that in the dream and I wake up doing that. I sit up in my bed going oh, and I'm like, oh, it's real. We're about to get pruned. We're not growing. It's not going to 100. It's going to 68. And we're about to lose a third of the people around. A third of our friends. A third of our co-laborers, a third of our ushers, a third of our worship leaders, a third our singers, our prayer leaders. And I think it's going to happen fast. And I go back and I tell our leadership team, I go, guys, remember that pruning word? I go, I had a dream. I do not want this to be real, but I am sure about it. This is going to be bad. And it bore witness. They're like, okay, well, what do we do? I go, I don't know. I don't know that we can do anything because I don't, I think this is coming. I don't know what to do. Well, after that dream, it was about two weeks later that all of a sudden we started suddenly, out of nowhere, unrelated to anything that we'd been doing over, over the course of the last, you know, months or whatever. <coughs> all of a sudden, for different, for unrelated reasons, groups of people, unrelated to each other, started getting mad and leaving. Groups of them. Unrelated. So it's not even like, you know, we lost all 30 people or whatever, 31 people. Because they were all mad about the same thing. These three, it was this. And this group of six, it was this. And this 15 over here, it's because of that. And they weren't even connected. And it started happening one after another. The steady decline over the course of the next few weeks. We watched the sacred trust go 99, 89, 79, 69. I am blown away watching this happen. And it was very painful. I mean, it... There was like the pain of relational loss, the pain of the ministry. We'd added prayer meetings because we were adding people. But the way we do it around here is once we add a prayer meeting, we keep it. But now we've got a third less people in a moment. 
And we're still sustaining at this point 14 hours a day on the schedule. It was like, oh my gosh, we only had like, I don't know, maybe five missionaries or something. It was like, it was bad. This was really tough. Well, we're watching it happen. And one day, I'm praying, in the, I'm in the prayer room, and now I'm in the opposite mode. Remember earlier I told you I was praying real happy, and the Lord's like, I'm bringing pruning. I'm dejected. I'm in the prayer room. I am like so sad, and it's like middle of October, okay? Middle of October, and I'm praying, and I feel like the Lord said, and, and I want to paraphrase, or I want to uh, uh, interpret what he said. He said, the pruning is over on the 31st. Of October. Now, what that meant, and I see that in a lot of retrospect now, was specifically related to the sacred trust, not related to the difficulties that were going to come, because we had a lot more difficulties. But I'm in this conversation with the Lord about, Lord, it would be good if we had more people in the prayer meetings. That way, Please stop taking people away. I think that's actually the prayer meeting, or the conversation I'm having with the Lord is, Lord, please stop the bleeding like we're dying here. And I hear the Lord say, the pruning, and again, he's talking about the number of people coming off the sacred trust. It's over on the 31st. And I was like, the 31st of this month? Are you, are you being for real? Like, don't play with me right now. And I feel like the Lord says it's over on the 31st of October. Okay? I go, okay. 31st of October. At that point, I don't know, maybe we were around like 72 on the Sacred Trust or something. Next day, we went down to 71. Week later, went down to 69. I go over to the Sacred Trust in the natural on October 31st, and I look at the total on the Sacred Trust, and it's 68, and I just, I just shake my head. I'll be darned. We hit 68 just like you said we would. And you said the season of pruning related to the sacred trust is over today. The next day, we got two worship leaders that started to go back up again and went down and up. And I mean, it was never awesome for a long time, but it, but it was 68, just like the dream. On the day the Lord said it was over, I was shocked. Again, his leadership with us, helping us through the pruning. See, this is how it works. This is what he does. He helps us. Well, in that same season of time, we are now ready because, you know, the season of pruning is happening. We're confused about what do we do about the lease space because now things are not awesome. You know, we're losing people. We're losing all the fun. Like now we're trying to advertise of this or do that. People aren't coming. We're being pruned at every level and we're trying to figure out what do we do? What's this next season hold? And in the process, I'll just say it this way. Without the way the Lord led us, there is no way we would have had the faith to move out of that facility. There's no way we would have had the faith to leave it because there was so much about being in that space that was comfortable. We'd had so many fun memories. We'd seen growth. We've gotten, you know, a measure of like citywide recognition there. There's so much about that space that was great. We would not have left it except that the Lord really helped us with his terrifying, helpful hand. We are planning, we're coming up on the end of our three-year lease. We'd signed a three-year lease. We're coming up on the end of it. And it is unthinkable that we would do anything except sign another three-year lease. Maybe five. And that's the only thing we're thinking. We have no thought of doing anything else. Whole leadership team's like, this is great. I don't know how it's all going to work. Season of pruning. At least we've got this space. It's great here. Well, some bad news. Just like uh, maybe a month before, yeah, a month or two before, the lease is up, I get an email from the landlord and he says he's going to increase our, uh, our facility 
uh, lease by, you know, like 15% or something. And I was like, oh, now we're already paying way more than we can really afford. And the Lord is having to do supernatural things to pay our rent every month. Okay, it was a lot of money. I mean, it was three, no, it was like four times how much we pay on this building every month for, to own this building. And it was like four times that. It was just, but again, the Lord led us there. It's like, what do you do? And then he'd pay for it every month. It was crazy. It was totally cockamamie. It was crazy. But now to go up another 13 or, or you know, 15%, whatever it was, and also he won't let us sign a three-year or a five-year. He said only a two-year lease. Like, man, I don't, I don't know that I really want to do Oh, dang it. Ooh. But we're still thinking, okay, we're going to do it. Well, that week, my pastor calls me, Pastor Adam McCain. He's a dear friend. I love him to death. He's a mentor in my life. Uh, You know, I'll say this just as a little side point. Every believer in the body of Christ, if you don't have a leader in your life who can tell you, no, don't do that. That's not the Lord. Don't do it. That you would listen to, you're in a dangerous place. You need somebody in your life that knows you well enough that you would submit to because you can get all sorts of ideas that aren't God and without us submitting one to another, without us following authority. Now, I don't mean having a dictator in your life. Have somebody in your life that you trust, that you trust so that when they tell you, bro, you shouldn't do that, you listen to them. That's important. Everybody needs that. Everybody. I have that. So I'm not telling you to do something I don't have. And there have been many times, I don't mean 20, but five in the last 15 years, times where I've been in a situation and Adam has said, bro, you should not do that. And I say, okay. And I just salute and say, okay. And I trust that the Lord will work that out and go, Lord, I'm submitting to authority. So if he's wrong, that's on him. Not on me. I'm just doing what he told me. So if, if he's wrong, help him or fix it and make it work out for me and be free. I mean, just like, like somehow fix this because I'm going to do what he told me to do. And I'm just going to trust that you're going to work that out. That's a much safer place than being in rebellion and not being correctable. There are so many people in the body of Christ that are not correctable and it's sin. And it keeps you far from God and it keeps you far from the purposes of God. So much better to be cheated than to be right. So much better. Just do what they say and just trust God. It's, it's, that's how it is. Because you know what? every leader has in common, they're trying. <laughs> they're try- Are they perfect? Of course not. There's no one good, no, not one. We only got Jesus. But if they love you, that's all you can ask for. And they're trying. And if they're trying, just trust them and trust God and put it on God and go, if they tell me to do something stupid, I'm just going to do it and just trust you to take care of it. So I did that. He calls me. He says, he, he is in, in my 20 years of knowing Adam, maybe 20 something years of knowing Adam, this is the only time I can ever remember him calling me and saying, hey, I have a dream for you. It's like, okay. Now, we've been playing phone tag for a week. It's interesting because he had this dream either the day, the day before or the day after, a little bit of discrepancy there, I'm not sure, that I got the email from the, uh, the landlord that said, we're going to raise your rent. He had this dream. He said, hey, about a week ago, I dreamt that I was, that you and I were talking. He was talking to me. And, uh, and, uh, and that I was telling him about a situation where our landlord was yanking our lease out from under us. And that I came up to him in the dream and I said, I'm so glad I listened to you and that I had a plan B. 
He said it was like I had arranged an alternative situation so that we didn't get stuck. So now here, I'm wondering, are we supposed to do this? Are we going to get yanked around? Is this going to be a problem? And here he has this dream. It's exactly what we needed. Well, I go to our leadership team, and I say, guys, listen, here's this, this email. They're going to increase our rent. Adam had this dream. He never has dreams for us. Like, this is, I think we ought to, like, pay attention. And as soon as I said that, two members of the leadership team rebuked me. And they said, one of them said, I told you this dream like a year ago, and you didn't listen. In fact, you put your fingers in your ears and went, la, 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 I'm not listening, and you walked off. And I go, I do vaguely remember that. And then the other one on the leadership team said, I told you this dream, however, eight months ago or whatever, and, and you didn't seem all that interested in it either. I was like, I'm trying, I'm trying, I don't know, it just... For me, I've told you guys this before, I'm waiting for confirmations, and so when somebody says something that is so starkly a difference from the path that you're going, you can't just give your heart to that. That's, that would be foolish, you know? Maybe sticking your fingers in your ear and la 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 is not really the right plan either. Um, so here's, here's the dream. Uh, all right, so uh, in the, um, let's see. Oh, yeah, yeah. So in the process of this, in this conversation, I say to the guy, or to the team, I was like, you know, I wonder if maybe Pastor Tom Schleter, who, remember, he was one of the guys that prophetically confirmed we were to move into that other space. He likes us. I go, I wonder if maybe for a season of time, three months, I don't know, I wonder if maybe he'd let us be in his church. And that's when one of them said, Brad, here's the dream. In the dream, uh, this leader walked into our prayer meeting, but it wasn't happening in our prayer room. We were meeting in a local church sanctuary, which is just something we would never, never, never do. The church had pews and a large stained glass window at the back. Now, this had marked this leader so much. It was Lisa that marked Lisa so much that she had been looking around town for the last, I don't know, year or however many months. It was a year, over a year, looking around to see if there was a church that kind of fit that description because she kind of thought it was going to happen. She never said all that to me until this moment. Then the other leader goes, Hey, in the dream that I had back, you know, in December of 2012, our landlord was showing our lease space to another potential renter saying, well, here's the lease space you guys will be leasing. These folks will be out in a week. And in the dream, they were like, we are? Like, I didn't know that. This was significant because we were still in the space while they were showing it, which is pretty unusual, and that would require that we'd entered into really unique circumstances because they're not allowed to show your space while you're in it without your permission. And it was clear that that was happening. And the way that that would happen is if we wound up in a month-to-month sort of a situation, which was on the table. So here I am going, we had three dreams about this. We're supposed to move into, I think, Pastor Tom Schleter's church, but I don't want to tell him that. I mean, How am I going to do that? Well, funny, two days later, I'm at another pastor's prayer meeting or or luncheon, pastor's luncheon, and there's Pastor Tom Schleter. And I go over, and I'm talking to him, and I I was asking him, because he's been in Arlington forever, so I was asking him about some space in Arlington, asking him some some stuff, and I said, hey, listen, um, are you, uh, uh, you know anything about that building? And he said, no, not really. I'll do some research for you. And then he kind of stopped, and he did the kind of, sometimes people get this, like, prophetic, like, weird moment, you know, like, bang, you know. I was talking to him, and he went, he, went looked, he looked at me, kind of stared through me. He said, you know, if the prayer room ever needed a place to be, like, if you guys ever weren't, like, 
able to stay at your space or wanted to move or something. You guys, you just could move into our church. And I just shook my head. I said, that's unbelievable that you would say that. I said, well, oddly enough. <laughs> and and in, the course, in the course of just a few weeks' time, maybe within a month and a half, we had moved into Prince of Peace. Why did we make that decision? Because the Lord led the ministry there so clearly. I'll give you some takeaways. We're doing our best as a ministry, not just individuals, to live by faith. We're doing our best to hope against all hope when the Lord says hope. That's, it sounds cute. It's painful when you're in one of those moments where it's like, I don't know how we're going to pay that bill, but we're going to pay that bill in Jesus' name. I don't know how we're going to continue to exist, but I know we're going to continue to exist in Jesus' name. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know. Brad, how's this going to work? Leadership team, how's this going to work? I don't know, but I do know he's with us, and we will be here tomorrow. We can't shrink back in the realm of faith. I want to give you fair warning because you're part of our story now, and these stories are awesome to tell later. They are awesome. But I'm not telling you all the nail-biting in the middle of it, like, what are we going to do? And people, you know, asking, how is this? I mean, there's a lot of that that goes on. And there's moments of heartbreaking. Here's the lessons. The Lord is very near to TPR. This is his house of prayer. I promise you that. Our leadership team, it's a great team, is doing the best we can to follow that cloud. And sometimes we miss it. But I promise you, we are engaged, like, with all of our might to be able to follow that cloud. And there is a cloud. And he really does lead. Sometimes things get bumpy. I wish to tell you that everything's going to be great. Because the Lord's with us, you're never going to have any problems. <laughs> We're going to have problems. There are going to be times where it's bumpy. But he will sustain us through everything that comes, like he's been faithful to do for 15 years. We will see the hand of God move on our behalf. And there will be victories that are won corporately. There will be times where we together are to fight for that thing and together the Lord gives us the victory. Listen, I, I wanted to share tonight the faithful leadership of God over us because one, it's awesome. But two, it's not just the prayer room's past, it's your future. This is how God deals with this house. And it's different than just the normal, let's make a good decision. Sometimes the Lord lets us do that, many times. He moves the cloud and says, follow me. And it gets awesome and crazy. I want you as the, the ministry, I want you, those that are engaging with us in prayer meetings and coming to encounter services and tracking with us, I want you to know this is a little different. This is a different thing. This is his house and he is leading it. And we are saying, yes, sir, as best as we can. And many times that looks weird. Many times that looks impossible Many times it looks totally normal. Many times the Lord is quiet for weeks, months, years and just kind of leaves us and just like stay the course until I give you new direction. There's all of that. We are doing our best to follow his leadership and he has had faithful guidance over us from our very beginning. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources or to schedule another TPR teacher to come speak at your church or event, please see our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Thank you.